You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday, August 1st, 2018. I am John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you for tuning in today. If you like the show, subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify and leave the show a good review in iTunes. We certainly appreciate it if you do so. Well, the Jets, after a very exciting Monday, were off on Tuesday. It was a scheduled uh, off day in training camp, so everybody had a chance to catch their breath after, of course, the excitement of Monday of Sam Darnold finally signing, ending his uh, three-day holdout and taking part in his first practice. And the Jets now move forward on this exciting new era. Today, since we you know we don't really have much talk to talk about, there was no practice yesterday. I'm going to talk a little bit about training camp in general, and I think in I think really training camp gets overanalyzed. A, a lot of the things that people focus on are not that important, and that's what we're going. That's going to be the topic of our discussion. I'm going to give you five things that you really should not go overboard with when you hear about them in training camp. So that's we'll we'll jump on right in. And the first thing I think you should not go crazy about when you he, when you hear about a report from a training camp practice and that's that a player is getting first team reps. And this is something that always raises eyebrows and I'll admit hey, I'm guilty of it too. I'll you know, I'll, I'll I sometimes read too much into hearing some players getting first team reps in training camp. And there are obviously there are instances where it's important because the starters get first team reps. So if a guy is getting first team reps, it's possible that he's you know stepping into the starting lineup, and that could be a it could be a sign that the team's making a change. But that's not necessarily the case. And again, this is something I'm probably as guilty of this as anybody of uh, reading and reading too much into that. Sometimes the coaching staff is just giving a player an opportunity to show what he can do. They want to see, They sometimes they just want to see what they have. They want to put a player in a situation where the competition's maximized, where he's going to go up against the best players he can in practice. So the, there are instances where, where that's the case, and sometimes the player falters. You know, I always go back to two years ago, and this has become kind of my go-to warning about training camp. I, I remember two years ago, there was all the talk about Jalen Marshall, who was an undrafted free agent, getting first team reps with the Jets, and he actually did have a role carved out for him at the start of that season, the start of his rookie year, but he did not take it and run with it, and now he's, you know, he's an afterthought. You know, he's a guy, he's, he's kind of a footnote in Jets history. He's a guy, you know, guy who really never amounted to, to much as a player. You know, I go back to two years ago, and I heard about how the Jets were set for the future at wide receiver now because they had undrafted free agent signing Jalen Marshall, they had undrafted free agent signing Robbie Anderson, and they had seventh-round pick Sharon Peak. They had these three young, great receivers. Well, you know what happened. Only one of the three has actually panned out, Robbie Anderson. So just just goes to show you that sometimes these, these training camp reports don't tell they, – they don't predict the future as, as well as we want them to. And – I think that that's a, you know, just a, a warning. You know, it's kind of a warning sign to all of us. Let's let's not go overboard in declaring somebody the next great player because they they flash a few day 
if the, because they flash early in training camp or, you know, they're, they're playing with the first team. Dylan Donahue last year was getting, you know, if you remember, he was getting some first team reps. Really did not amount to anything. It's one thing to get first team reps. It's, it's another to actually do well with them and earn a starting spot. So just because a player is getting first team reps does not mean he's going to be a starting level player and certainly doesn't mean he's going to be a contributor. Now let me give you our the second thing I think you should be we- be wary of if you hear in training camp, and that is stats compiled from from quarterbacks. And this one might might seem a little odd because you you might be saying, well, geez, that John, that's production. How can you dismiss it? Here's the issue with with the stats you get from the quarterbacks, and there's always a beat writer or two who keeps track of these things, and they'll they'll tweet out that they'll tweet out what the numbers the quarterbacks posted in, in a training camp practice, and sometimes they'll compile it over every practice in training camp. The issue is that they usually only give you the completions and incompletions. So they'll give you, you know, this many completions, this many incompletions. This is the per- completion percentage. So you can do the math and figure out the percentage. There's a big problem with that, though. It's, that's, those numbers are pretty meaningless if you don't talk about yardage because... You know, if you, you can complete five for five and get zero yards if you're just dumping it off, checking down every play. So, you know, that's, that's the problem there is that it doesn't really tell you much about efficiency. You know, if you're trying, if you're attempting passes down the field, your completion percentage is going to be lower. If you don't give us the, the yards gained, which is, I, I mean, I don't think it's possible for a beat writer to compile a yards gained. I think that's just too much work, to be honest with you. You're just you're going through these things live, and you, you don't get the benefit of replay in, in these training camp practices. So I'm not blaming them for it. I'm just saying that, you know, if you if you're talking just this many completions, this many incompletions, it's not very valuable. It doesn't really show you a whole lot. So it's not you know it's one of those things that you're starved for information. So you're you're just looking for anything you can find about a quarter find about how the quarterbacks are playing, but these stats really aren't that helpful. And, you know, even if you get to preseason games, now look, you have Christian Hackenberg going out there, stinking it up, putting posting terrible preseason stats. It's one thing, but even in preseason games, you can't, they don't give you the all 22 footage. So sometimes it's tough to tell whether the quarterback's actually making the correct read. And that goes, again, that goes doubly in practice because completions versus incompletions isn't telling you whether the quarterback's making the correct read. You know, again, it could be a case where, quarterback's completing passes but he's not making the right read you know if you're just dumping it off to your check down when a guy's open down the field odds are that's not the, that's not the right read and that that's what makes it difficult to evaluate from from our perspective now the coaches are you know the jets have coaches monitoring every little detail that the the these players are doing so the, the coaching staff i think can tell you they, they have a better idea of, of what these numbers actually mean, but just these raw numbers we get from the, the reporters. And, you know, it's nice that they're, they're doing their best. I'm not trying to bash the reporters who are there, but the stuff we get from them tends to not be particularly meaningful, tends to not really help us understand who's playing well, who's playing poorly at the quarterback position. So quarterback stats are something to definitely keep with a grain to uh, take a grain of salt when you look at, look at with a grain of salt as we progress through these training camp practices. The Hall of Fame game between the Ravens and Bears takes place next Thursday. Can you believe that? We're that close to the start of the preseason, and that means the start of the NFL regular season is right around the corner. 
This season, don't sit around watching the Jets from home when you can be at MetLife Stadium in the crowd cheering in person thanks to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is offering Locked On Jets listeners 10% off your first ticket order when you use our exclusive promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, one word. New customers only, and the offer is good through the end of August. Preseason and regular season tickets are available now. The Jets kick off their home schedule on September 16th against the Dolphins, and you can be there for the excitement. Go to vividseats.com or download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for 10% off your first over, your, for, your first order. The, the offseason is over now, the NFL is back, and Vivid Seats wants to help you get to the game. Now let's talk about our third thing to avoid from when you hear about training camp. Third thing to avoid getting excited, overly excited over in training camp. And what I'll say is bottom of the rust, roster production. And... What I mean from that is sometimes people get a little too excited when they hear some backups playing well. Again, sometimes it's when, it, sometimes if we go back to our first point, sometimes it's back, sometimes people get excited when they hear somebody's moving up to get first team reps. But just in general, if you're hearing a guy who's maybe a marginal type player, somebody who you're not expecting much from, that he's strung together a couple of good days of practice, you get overly excited. And the reasons to, to kind of, temper your enthusiasm for, for these guys are, there are a couple there's a couple reasons for this is first of all you know a couple of good practices does not make a career so the, I mean that's number one but number two particularly when we're talking about bottom of the roster guys it's not it tends to not only be about how they're performing at their position there are lots of players whose only path to the roster is through special teams, where they have to contribute as special teamers if they're going to make the team. And you know, I have this argument every preseason, it seems, where like some third-string wide receiver will have a big game, they'll, have a, they'll put together a big practice or a big preseason game, and people will, go, people will say, well, this guy's got to be on the team, this guy's got to be on the team. And uh, you know, I'll, be say, I'll say, well, I doubt he'd do that against quality competition. But beyond that, this other receiver had three tackles on special teams, so that's more valuable. And people will say, well, I'd rather have the guy in case somebody gets hurt. Well, what happens is, you know, if somebody gets hurt, that guy's not going to produce at the same level. You know, the, the guy who put up the big, the big game in the, the big game or the big practice, he's not going to produce at that same level as the starter. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a moot point. These guys are typically not going to get on the field anyway, though. You know, these bottom of the roster guys—they're not going—they're not going to contribute at their natural position. Where they can contribute is special teams, because you tend to not want to put your your ace—you you don't want to put your best players on special teams, because you're putting them in unfamiliar roles. You may get them hurt. So if you're a bottom of the roster guy, your your ticket to the roster, your ticket to the 53-man team, the 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 to making the team on opening day can be through special teams, which minimizes the impact of what you're doing at your natural position. Because again, you're, you're not going to get much playing time at your natural position. And even if you do, you know, let's just say player A is, and I'm using the wide receiver position as an example, player A is a standout wide receiver in preseason, player B is a standout special teamer. I think once you get to the regular season, if you put either of those guys at wide receiver, odds are there's not going to be a big difference in production. Your player A is probably just doing it because he's feasting on backups, so he's not going to be be a big, be that productive of a guy. So I think the, you know, the the whole thing is the whole thing becomes kind of moot. People people focus too much on production from these guys when they're not going to produce at that level in the regular season. Where they may produce on the same level is if they show 
that they have skills on special teams. That see that that's 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 really the ticket to the roster for those guys. That's really the path to the roster for those guys. So I, I think one thing to avoid when we're talking, you know, training camp and preseason is going too crazy over these results from these third string guys, how their you know their production at their natural position. Because again, tra- uh, the special special teams are more important for those guys. Now the fourth thing to avoid going crazy over, and this one's actually pretty important. This is something I did not appreciate. I'll be honest, I did not appreciate this until a couple of years ago when I started going to Jets training camp. Tweets and uh, tweets of the action from training camp uh, that beat writers are giving you. And look, I'll admit, I every day when there's a a, a practice in training camp, I'll post a, a, it's a, this beautiful Twitter widget. If you ever seen on GangGreenNation.com, I mean, it is it's art. It's beautiful. It's uh, I mean, it is. I am Leonardo da Vinci. This this thing is on the level of the Mona Lisa. How beautiful this Twitter widget is, and it refreshes every day, and it gives you live updates the beat writers are providing from training camp, and it's I mean, I, you you just be blown away by how beautiful it is. But one thing you it actually is pretty important to avoid is the, the these tweets you get are only telling you a fraction of the plays they're only giving you they they really the beat writers tend to only tweet when something very exciting happens where there's a spectacular play they are not giving you play-by-play details and that's something i really did again that's something i did not appreciate till i actually went to training camp and i started looking at the tweets versus what was actually happening on the field and there just are not many plays that they're actually giving you details on. And, you know, to the extent I can when I go, and I don't go every day, you know, I usually only make it to a couple training camp practices. I try and give, give details on as many plays as I can when I go because, you know, I think the fans want to know that. But if you're only going based on the – if you're only judging your opinions based on the tweets of, well, this, you know, Quincy and Nunua beats Buster Screen – that's only one one play of many, and there there are a lot of plays that just don't get talked about by the beat writers. They don't get tweeted out, so the beat writers are not giving you every single play, and that's I'm not you know it's not easy to follow this this thing. You know, these practices are not easy to follow on a play to play basis. I think it's it would be tough to tweet out everything about every play. So I'm not knocking the beat writers. What I'm saying to you is. Just because you only saw a few, just because you can't judge practices entirely based on the plays you saw tweeted about, because there are some out there. Some, there are lots of plays where you just don't know about because they're not telling you everything there is to know about training camp. The fifth and final thing I think you should avoid going crazy about in evaluating players in training camp are reports over a couple of days of practice you know hearing about the, this guy's a standout of a training camp and this stuff is newsworthy where you where you hear this guy's having a good camp and look this stuff is newsworthy but it's not the type of thing that again it's not the type of thing that changes a career you need to see more it's just it's a small piece of evidence but especially at this time of year when you have not even seen a preseason game you may hear a guy's having a strong camp and that's good look if a guy is going to contribute to a team, if a guy is going to make a big improvement, it probably would start by standing out the first couple of days of camp. So it could be a sign that a player is growing, but it's not guaranteed to be a sign that a player is growing. And I always say this in the offseason, and I, say, I always say it in training camp, and it's true. We are so starved for information because we have just gotten so little Jets news over the last couple months that we tend to overblow any, any small piece of news that we get. And I think that's just human nature. And again, this is something I'm probably guilty of myself. But if you go to the regular season, 
if a guy strung together, you know, three strong practices, would it change your opinion of the player? No. So, you know, why would it change your player, your opinion of the player in training camp? It's just, uh, you know, it's the type of thing where we, and I think part of it's new season, new opportunities. You want to get excited about a guy. You want to believe guys are improving. You want to see, you want to believe guys are elevating their game. Maybe there's a position where the Jets are weak and the guy's standing out and it gets you excited. But you have to wait and see. And, the, you know, part of this is also the fact that it's, a, it's possible in training camp that a guy's having a strong camp because his competition's not playing very well. You know, I go back two years ago where you heard about the great camp Ryan Clady was having at left tackle. Well, the thing was he was going up against Lorenzo Malton a lot. And as it turned out, and if based on Clady's play in the regular season, it probably was a case, and Malden's play in the regular season, it probably was a case where Malden was just probably not that not that much of a challenge for Clady. It wasn't necessarily that Clady was playing great. So you know, there's a little element of that as well. So you know, you have to take this stuff with a grain of salt. You hear a guy is having a couple good practices, that's a good sign. Listen, it's better than the alternative. And if they're in a scenario where a guy is going to make a big leap, it would begin with strong practices in training camp. But a couple strong practices at the start of training camp is not necessarily indicative that a player is about to make a big leap. So just, and I know if I, I wish I was ending on a more optimistic note, but it's just something to keep in mind as you evaluate. Doesn't, doesn't mean that it's meaningless, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's meaningless, but also doesn't, you also have to understand that these things are not necessarily the most meaningful in the world. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave the show a good review in iTunes if you do enjoy it. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow.